Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Acts. And I'm just going to read from Acts chapter 2, starting to read at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's just pray before we look at this passage. Our Father, we do thank you again for your word and we just ask that as we look at these words that you will just guide us through them and teach us what you would have us learn as we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, before we uh, go into Acts chapter 2, I want to read some verses from Acts chapter 1 just to give us an introduction. And it's Acts 1, verse 1 through to 5. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So it will be another 10 days after the ascension of Jesus before the disciples would receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was never not there. You see, he was there way back in Genesis 1. He's there all through the Old Testament the same way as Jesus is there right through the Old Testament. What would happen at Pentecost was that the Holy Spirit would be given to the disciples and from that point on to every believer. For the disciples, this would happen soon, but not yet. So what would they do in the meantime? Luke tells us in Luke 24 verse 52 that after the ascension, he says they worshipped his disciples, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Then Luke continue, continues to tell us this in Acts chapter 1 verse 12 to 14. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they stayed in Jerusalem. So they were being obedient to the words that Jesus had said to them. But the thing is that when they returned to Jerusalem, they returned with great joy. You know, Jesus had left them. But why are they joyful? What have they got to be joyful about? 
in the eyes of the authorities, they are followers of a man who some six weeks or so earlier had been executed. And they even knew before that happened that Jerusalem was a dangerous place. If we go back and remember the words that Thomas said to Jesus uh, when Jesus said they were going to go to the house of Mary and Martha because Lazarus had died. And that house is just outside Jerusalem. And in John 11 verse, uh, 11, verse 16, we read this. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. They knew that Jerusalem was a dangerous place then, and Jerusalem was still a dangerous place for them to be. So what did they have to be joyful about? Well, they were joyful because they trusted in what Jesus had said to them. So, point one, they stayed in Jerusalem and we're going to see that they enjoyed fellowship together. Walk with me through some of the things that Jesus said to them um, prior to his, his death and resurrection. And I'm going to read these verses from John 14, from verse 15 through to 22. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Notice here the involvement of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. This is the full Godhead involved here. And then he goes on. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Notice how Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit. He uses the personal pronoun in reference to the Holy Spirit. He is a person, a person of the Godhead. Then the passage goes on. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So he lives with you. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples while he, Jesus, was still with them in person. And the words, will be in you, is referring to what would happen at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would indwell them. He would be literally in them. And then he went on, he said, I will not leave you as often as I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live and you also will live and that happened because they did see him they saw him after his resurrection so Jesus goes on in that passage that we're looking at on that day you will realize that I in my father I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. John 16 verse 7 But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
the disciples did see Jesus go and ascend back into heaven. And he left leaving them with those words that we've just been reading. You see, they trusted in his promises. And he trust, they trusted him in the promise of an advocate. And why shouldn't they? Everything else that Jesus had told them would happen did happen. The advocate had not yet arrived, but they knew that he would. So they could rejoice as they trusted in this promise. But what did they do in the meantime as they stayed in Jerusalem and enjoyed fellowship together? What else did they do? Well, Acts 1, 15-17, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of the number and shared in our ministry. You see, as well as gathering together and rejoicing and having fellowship, they read the scriptures and they also put the scriptures into action. They looked into the scriptures, they saw the apostolic band needed to be restored back to 12 men. So verse 26 of Acts 1, Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. It's very interesting here. Um, that was the way... Uh, the Jews would see God's um, will. They, they would cast lots. But this is the last time we read about lots being cast because from here on in, that now will no longer be the way that we find out what God's will is. So, Jesus has returned to heaven. They read God's word, the scriptures, and they were guided by the Holy Spirit. What are they doing? Well, they are waiting, they are worshipping, and they are working. Now, this didn't happen overnight. What they are doing here is the result of the three years that the disciples had spent with Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. And we're seeing that in these verses. They're watching, they're waiting, and they are ready. But they don't know when it will happen. They don't know when the advocate will come. They don't know when this gift will be given. Does that sound familiar to the position that the church is in today? Watching, waiting, and the question, are we ready? Something to think about. Let's continue in Acts 1 and verse 11. The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So there's the relevance for us today. This promise is still to come. But back to the promise that is about to happen for the disciples in Jerusalem, Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, this again is a very short account of a very significant and a very important event. And the truth is that there are no words that can possibly describe it. And the nearest that we can get to is to say that it was like. You see, they heard the sound like the wind blowing, a sound that filled the house. You know, John 3 verse 8, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he said, the wind blows where it pleases You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And then he went on, he said, It is with everyone born of the Spirit. Whatever was happening, it sounded to them like the violent wind. The noise they heard was in the house with them. And then what they saw looked like tongues of fire. A little bit like Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3. The bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. They knew those disciples in the house in Jerusalem. They knew that whatever it was they saw separated and rested on each of them. So, how can we put into words the wonder of God being present in such a powerful way. What they can tell us is that the Holy Spirit was in them and that they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. You know, whenever a sinner trusts in Jesus, is born again, and the result of the death and resurrection of Jesus And the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit gives us immediate access to the Father. In the words of Jesus in John 14, 7, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And in the words that Jesus prayed, that prayer that he prayed prior to his death, John 17, 11, I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is all about the unity of God being with us. And this is in contrast to what happened way back in Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, we read these words. Let me just share these words with you as we think about them. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. 
You know, this is a, a, a direct rejection of God's will. God's covenant given to Noah after the flood that we can read about in Genesis 9 was for the people to be fruitful and increase in number, to multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And in doing so, they were to spread out and take God's promise with them. So the passage in Genesis 11 goes on. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Well, who is the us in that passage? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the passage goes on. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the languages of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. You see, the desire and the aim of the people of Babel was that they would reject God and make a name for themselves so that their name would be spread throughout the earth. Now here in Acts, we have a demonstration of God showing that the whole world has the opportunity to hear the voice of the one who is the living word, the voice of Jesus. The good news. The book of Acts goes on to tell us about worldwide evangelism. And we go back to Acts 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Babel was about the people separating themselves from God and his will and taking what should have been his glory and putting it upon themselves so that they might be praised. Pentecost is being united with God, united by the sacrifice of Jesus, united by being bonded by the power of the Holy Spirit and by being welcomed by the Father. As well as empowering the believer, the Holy Spirit also has the power to convict the sinner. As we draw to a close, you can think of these words from John 16, verse 8 and 11. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness. Because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So there's quite a few things for us to think about this morning as we think about the Holy Spirit. And that first Pentecost. And you know, as we read on in Acts, we see both sides of the work of the Holy Spirit. 
we see it as Peter stands up to preach the gospel. He preaches the power of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then that preaching results in the question from his listeners who see their need of salvation. As they say, what shall we do? You know, that's the same message today, isn't it? What shall we do? How can we know God? How can we be saved from the wrath of God? That's by believing and trusting in Jesus. And then we live by the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And one day we will go to the Father and be accepted by him. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we just thank you for these few words that we've looked at this morning and we ask that you will just make them clear to us, that you will show us what you would have us know about ourselves and about you, and that we might be those who come to you in repentance and in acceptance of who you are, and to be led by the power of your Holy Spirit as we look forward to the fulfilment of the promise, the promise that you will return again. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.